Hey everybody, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Jim Ford. <laughs> and this is LanternCast Presents Pre-Birth. Episode 4. Yes. Fifth episode, fourth numbered. <laughs> Was I supposed to say anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to. <laughs> what was the... Wait, it's... Is it the fifth episode? Yeah, I think this time we got it right, because we did one... Going in episodic order, we've done one, two, two and a half, and three. That's so, yeah, oh, that's four. Oh, so that's four right. episodes, and this that's four episodes, even though we're only up to number four. So now it's, this is the fifth. Okay. <laughs> and we promise you, no, we're not going to do okay. this every time we record, people. Because <laughs> I know we did this in two and a half, too. <laughs> but then and again, theoretically, if they listen... how far, far apart. What, Jim? Yeah, what? No, I didn't hear what you said. Oh, no. Um, that I don't remember. I have a really <laughs> bad short-term memory. I was just going to say, it won't be an issue because they listen in episodic order, then technically the last time we talked about it was two and a half, and now they won't hear it again till four. <laughs> so it won't be back-to-back episodes. But nonetheless, yes, now we're now we're back to, ish, to proper numbering, if you will, as we uh, don't have to play catch-up and fill in the gaps anymore. So would you like to tell people what we're going to be talking about today, yes. Jim? Oh, do I ever. <laughs> we are going to be discussing Spectra ep- uh, Issue 1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, that's the ticket. The, yeah. <laughs> the spe- Spectre Issue 1. Yeah, God. I, I, well, I've forgotten how to talk since last episode, so <laughs> there is that too. Um yeah, they uh, so they, they created a Spectre miniseries, and all the episodes that we've been talking about, you know, previously, we've been leading up to this point. So, you know, this is where it finally go, goes off on its own and, you know, becomes a monthly series. And, uh, I mean, like, I, I in the beginning, in the, the beginning, they really had a, a good thing going. No, oh, I agree. I think... I mean, this issue, in a way, like, it seems like we say this almost every time we record about setting the tone, but of course everything up to this point was setting the tone for, kind of like paving the way for what the tone was going to be in the actual series. And then once you get this issue and you kind of see what the tone's going to be, it's, you know, they, he's, De, De Mateus certainly starts out with really lofty goals as far as, you know, some of the issues they were going to be dealing with. And they, and, and they kind of, they kind of like make it perfectly clear with that right in this first issue. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which this particular issue is kind of like, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of 
kind of out there concepts. I, I think this one is probably, as far as like the beginning issues go, this one's not really indicative of like the full entertainment value. No, I would agree. I, I would say, yeah, this is this issue is, and of course, as we get more into it and talk about it, you'll understand what we're, what we're talking about. But yeah, this issue is very philosophical, metaphysical. Very, it's got to lays out a lot of deep ideas about again relating to, you know, the Spectre's role and Hal's struggle and things like that. And then as we get into the next, the next story arc, which will probably be our, when we do episode five, that'll that. That tends to give you more of the action and more of the dynamic that you kind of see at least for the first, you know, half of the Spectre series. Yeah, yeah. So, without further ado, without... why don't you, uh... Absolutely. So, Spectre number one. Of course, it begins with a very interesting... A pretty subdued cover, actually. It just has Hal and his, Hal and his little... And his cloak... You see the mask, you know, the Green Lantern mask essentially on the Spectre's face, and he's kind of like has his hand outstretched with green energy either coming from his hand or from his chest because a lot of times we see that we've seen uh, the Spectre seemingly have some energy flowing from his chest anyway. But it's, that's pretty much the only artwork on it, and the, it says, How Jordan is the Spectre! And this is from March 2001. So that's... That's a pretty good chunk of change ago, <laughs> and especially considering everything that's happened to Hal and Green Lantern <laughs> since. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't seem that long ago, considering. So this book also. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Did, uh, this book also introduces the creative team of the writer J.M. DeMatteis and Ryan Sook as the artist, who I think I'm sure Jim will have some opinions on this too as we discuss. But much yeah. like much like much. Much like all the other appearances, up you know, exclu- excluding the Daryl one in Green Lantern, that it seems like whenever the, the one constant up to this point, and then and then drawing uh, uh, Hal Jordan's adventures as the Spectre, is that it's always like a little hit or miss with the art. <laughs> it's like some some characters seem to, by some artists tend to be drawn fairly well, and again, Hal as the Spectre seems to come across mostly well, of drawn well, no matter who does it. But it just seems like a, the art style seem, and maybe that maybe that was part of the, you know again, maybe Dave Mateus since he obviously was you know had kind of gotten the, been handed or, and wanted the reins I'm assuming as in the wanting part of Hal as the Spectre from from the get go that maybe he kind of wanted art that was a little off you know the beaten path, but yeah it had to be had to be because it's fair yeah because on that level it's fairly consistent the fact that there you know that. So the artwork is definitely different, not just different from story to story up until this point. It's just that it's unique as far as the way most comics are drawn. <laughs> yeah. So. So issue one begins, and we find we find Hal's brother. This is this is Jack, and Jack is basically in therapy. <laughs> yeah. And the last time we saw Jack was in the. Of consequence, anyway, we saw Jack was in the Destroyer of Worlds, Legends of the DC Universe arc, in which he kind of was able to recognize at the end, thanks to uh, thanks to his daughter Helen, even though she wasn't she, that, that, that's a she wasn't called Helen in that, right? That's what that's they already that's what this, this is the first change of the name. I think they changed um, the name. Wait, 
I have to go back and check. I should have written this down because I know we did mention it, I think, we were, when we were talking about the DCU arc, that they changed the, the daughter's name. And I'm going... I don't remember. And I'm going to... I, ass- did, I didn't... I, I didn't... Uh... Yeah, I'll double, I'll double check it, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they changed changed her name, so I'm going to assume at the moment that uh, they changed that her name was changed now. That from that going forward, she's Helen. I don't think they would make the mistake of changing the name once in the middle of the ongoing series. But uh, so Jack is in therapy, talking about the fact that you know, trying to explain to his therapist about how you know how how his brother is alive, and it's not just me. You know, my my daughter sensed it too. And, you know, we get the typical, I hate to say it, kind of typical psycho babble about, you know, you know, you're just dealing, you know, you're dealing with so much in your life and grief can do so many funny things to you. I kind of like the, uh, the Rorschach pictures on the wall. That's because those are the first three panels you see the diff- and they turn out they're all you know, Rorschach pictures that are on his psychiatrist's wall. And it's kind of, and it's kind of cool how the last one pretty much looks like, you know, a face in a cloak, kind of like Hal. <laughs> As the Spectre, without a mask, of course, but... <laughs> and it's also interesting, of course, I'm sure it's not a coincidence that uh, his psychiatrist is named Dr. Tol- Dr. Tolstoy. <laughs> I'm sure that's a Leo Toy- Tolstoy reference, but... Is that a... But what would that be a callback to? I'm not sure what... I'm, I can all... I mean, Tolstoy is such an such an uncommon name for the most part. I, I don't... I actually... I actually meant to do to do some digging to see if I could find why he might have referenced Leo Tolstoy because I'm going to again I can only help hope yeah I can only help try to get Mark but to I can only help in when I'm looking at this and figure it out the only thing that comes to mind is the fact that you know Tolstoy is a you know he would be referring to that Tolstoy but I don't know maybe maybe that's one of the things I'll look up and I can I can I can add later on to a as a comment or something, but, but yes, but, you know, so, but, you know, Jack pretty much sticks to his guns and says, I know, you know, this, you know, this was really Hal and I know what I'm telling you. I know he's alive. I know he's out there and I've got to find him, which leads to the first, you know, to the big splash page, which enters, which, uh, excuse me, Freudian slip, which begins this issue, the title of which all ye who enter here, referring to hell and will understand and as the story plays out we understand why like i mentioned jm de mateus is the writer ryan sook is the artist and our old friend tony bedard is the associate <laughs> the associate editor which kind of stands out uh bill oakley letterer james sinclair colorist and bill raspler is the ed- actual editor with bedard being the associate so we see this scene of hal in a church as the specter of course and, he, and he's and he's crediting an infant to his chest, and he's and he's pointing at someone who we have no idea at the moment yet who he's pointing out, going, "Children, babies, you stalk them, torture them, murder them. What kind of sick, you know, what kind of person, what sick animal would do that?" And we actually see it's this, on the surface anyway, clearly, this sweet little old lady, who who Hal is yelling at, and he goes, "How many years have you worked in the church? You know, you know, the kind the old secretary, the pastor trusted you, the community trusted you, and more or less." We find out that not not quite your typical uh, church child abuse scenario that unfortunately we've been accustomed to over the years, where it's actually like the priest or someone actually doing the abuse. This time it is the the kindly old secretary that essentially was taking advantage of the children there. Um, 
So Hal is just telling her, you know, earthly law may not have noticed you, but divine justice isn't quite so limited. You know, you, the, you know, you, you know, you stink. Basically, the soul, you know, the, you just stink of the corruption. You know, that's what from your soul it stunk, and that's basically what called out to me and cried to me, and that's what why I came to you. Yeah. Stink, stinky soul. Yeah, <laughs> you reek, woman. <laughs> you need some soul deodorant, <laughs> and that's why Hal's there. <laughs> This is a good place for a stick up. So, so Hal, uh, you know, he pretty much, you know, she, she of course, like, you know, I, I couldn't really help it. You know, I tried to resist. He, she, you know, and the old standby, you no, know, oh, it was the devil. <laughs> the devil made me do it. That, that kind of, that kind of excuse, you know. And Hal, you know, which is this is, I, I kind of like this part because again, knowing what we know now of Hal, it's kind of interesting when, when he says things like this to kind of like spin it the other way, and look at. You know, Hal's journey. He goes, how convenient to blame outside forces. Then, of course, you don't have to take responsibility. <laughs> which is very, which is quite interesting from a parallax kind of view. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Forget what I just said. Um, <laughs> scratch that, Granny. Uh, but the name of divine justice and the presence that permeates all, I say that responsibility is yours and you must pay. So, so... It's kind of cool that Hal sends out this really this disgusting-looking hell baby, which is basically what he had wrapped, wrapped, <laughs> wrapped in the little you know cloth that he was cradling and holding to his chest. This disgusting mutated thing, complete with umbilical cord, no less. Yeah, well, it, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be complete without it. What you call it? It looks it looks a little bit like glomulus. Yeah, it does. It does kind of. <laughs> it, this yeah, this this mutant baby just shoots out of his soul towards. Uh, his chest, anyway, towards uh, Viola, and I, and I kind of like the line. It's like your diseased soul has infected me, impregnated me. <laughs> Look at what you've created. Yeah. Whoa, Hal, you're kind of taking it to a different level there. Yeah. But the but at least the mutant baby's pretty cool. <laughs> and, and Hal's like, and let it love you. <laughs> You know, so so the baby starts jumps pretty much on the old woman and starts kind of like <laughs> scratching her and chomping on her, and then Hal goes, "Wait, no, no, I won't do this. I can't do this." And which is kind of funny because at the moment Hal is not entirely struggling with the essence of the specter right now, since that he kind of, uh, uh, to a certain extent, you know he can't, you know he cast it out pretty much at the end of the uh, destroyer of worlds arc, so to gain f more control of the specter. But so, but still, Hal is still struggling as we see through this book. He's still struggling with, even though he's more in control, the nature of the specter itself. Whether it's you know, you know the just the very being of the specter kind of leads you to, towards one way of dealing dealing with stuff. You know, so Hal's kind of like going now it's more Hal as opposed to the specter talking. It's like, go, you know, leave this place, turn yourself into the police and confess your sins, you know, beg the Lord's forgiveness. But if you don't, if you don't, you know, the specter will hunt you to the ends of, the, you know, the ends of the earth, hound you forever. And she goes, I swear I will. Oh, dear God, I will. And then do it. And then, of course, she starts running to leave the church, and she, like, doesn't get very far, and pretty much she finds, like, a whole, <laughs> like, a whole room full of hell babies waiting for her, and they pretty much just chomp her and rip her to pieces and eat her alive. And I kind of, I, I do like that image of, of I like the solo panel of, on that page of Hal's face. Just kind of like, almost like, like, 
you know, it's like he doesn't really know. It's like he's, it's pretty much emotionless, but but in a way, there's so much you can read into it. Yeah, it's just a way like he it's like he's so kind of like disgusted and unhappy and like and just really like torn about what the hell <laughs> what the hell he's gonna do. And then I also like the scene which is right to the left of it when he's basically when you see him behind the statue of Jesus. Yeah. So that was a pretty that was a pretty powerful page actually, and you know and how you know. Hal leaves the church as the hell babies do their work, and he goes like, "God forgive me." And we hear, "For what?" And Hal's like, "You know, for what I just did in the past weeks since, you know, since basically my encounter with Call, I fought. You know, you know, I, I, or he kind of recaps first. He recaps the whole thing with Call, saying, you know, how he, you know, he he risked everything, and you know, he cast out the divine wrath of his joint to my soul. Everything just joins with Hal's soul, apparently." <laughs> He's a soul magnet. He's a soul man, and like uh, he you know he cast out the specter, which is what I referenced a few minutes ago about him, you know, doing that to gain control of the power of the specter, and it's like I've become a new specter. I'm you know a man, not some blind vindictive force. But yet the first chance I get, and we hear you do it the same old way. It's like blood and guts, an Old Testament retribution, and now we see once again. That Hal's partner is much like he was in the Destroyer of Worlds arc is Abin Sir, and Abin Sir goes, "You still got a lot of work to do." <laughs> and Ab- and Hal's like, "And you're just the man to help me, right?" And it's like, uh, first of all, <laughs> kind of referencing the funny parts of the Destroyer of Worlds arc when, like, when Abin said to Hal, you know, just would comment on Hal like, "What? You could just go through the wall. Why are you opening the door?" <laughs> and things like that. He just kind of references, you know, first of all, I'm not a man. I'm a ghost, and and I'm the only one who can help you. And the only one, I should say, uh, the only one who can help you, Hal, really is you. I'm just kind of here to uh, be your friend because you kind of need one. <clears throat> Hal's like, I don't know if you're – I don't even know if you're real or I just made you up so I could have a little company. As Hal kind of transforms, which is a weird seeing Hal transform into wearing a suit. Yeah, that was weird. It was weird because you think that's kind of almost like a Jim Corrigan kind of look more than a Hal look. I mean, clearly yeah. it's supposed to be Hal, but yet it just seemed like an odd transformation because, of course, nowadays if we were doing it, obviously he would have the bomber jacket on. Well, I mean, I think even in uh, like when he showed up in Green Lantern and he he shifted into like human gear, he was wearing the bomber jacket. Right, and, he, and I think and he didn't he, he had it on at some point, didn't he during the destroy a world's arc i thought too not just yeah. in, not, not just not just in his dream or his internal uh battle sequences when he was the statue but i think yeah so it is it is an it is an interesting choice i'm not but maybe it refers to where they're going to end up on the next page maybe there's a reason for this i'm not sure um so Abin continues his talk, you know, it's like, not easy, is it? And Hal doesn't quite know what he's talking about. He goes, it's like, you screw up your life, you die, <laughs> and then miracle of miracles, you get a chance, you know, to basically uh, come back and maybe find re- redemption, you know, what, you know, one, you've been, the redemption you've been looking for all along. And then, and no one, <laughs> and like, and no one's, and the and there's one catch, of course, and that one catch is that, no, like we referenced before in, previous episodes up to this point nobody can really recognize Hal you know so even when Hal does something good other than maybe Abin Sir or, or temporarily when he's interacting with somebody nobody kind of remembers that the Spectre is Hal they might remember the Spectre but they just but that's all they remember of it so the Spectre continue, you know, goes alive or dead in this world or the next the universe is fluid 
and Hal's still not really sure where any of this is going, and maybe we're not either at this point. He goes, he goes, Abin just goes, and things change. And then all of a sudden, you know, Hal, you know, kind of has this weird look about him as he's like, uh, Abin. And then we, <laughs> we kind of see this really interesting little building, Hell's Mall, <laughs> which I kind of like the cinema spelled S-I-N. That's a nice touch. Yeah, Cinema 6-6. Yeah, Cinema 6-6, Demon Baby, Bewildered, uh, Devil Soul, Saint Satan, the Cardinal, all these different things on the outside. The eighth sign. I like that one. Yeah, the eighth sign. Um, all these things on the marquee. And of course, there's like this, like almost like this fiery pseudo, de- like devil, devil esque head, right on top of uh, the sign that says Devil's Mall with you know the requisite gargoyles, and there's bats flying around or everything. And he's like, Hal's like, okay, what the hell is that? And Abin's like, well, you're looking for answers, right? Well, they've got them in there, and tonight they're having a sale. <laughs> I kind of like that. And of course, it's kind of was. It was kind of storming, you know, it was raining at this point when Hal and Abin kind of got to the mall, Hal's mall, because, you know, Hal's, Hal's hair is kind of all wet and must at this point. So now we, but during the storm, now we kind of transition to Carol, living in a pretty fancy house, and we assume with her geezer husband. <laughs> yeah. Though we don't really, we, 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 we kind of, we, we hear him, but we really don't see him. He's so old. <laughs> wrinkly ball, old wrinkly balls. <laughs> Guess that five-year plan's a ten-year plan now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so there's so the lightning from the storm kind of wakes Carol up, and she's like, you know, of course, <laughs> old man, old man hubby over there is like Carol. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, just go back to sleep. Don't die. Just go back to sleep. I'm just, I'm just gonna go downstairs and have a cup of tea. And then we have the, which carries through a lot in this, in the, this as the series goes on, which is not always the easiest to read. This, the script, you know, the script narration that it's in, uh, not printed. Yeah. So, I mean, this is relatively clear, but later on, I think there's some, ep- some issues that are like, really fan, almost like fanciful the way the script is. It's really almost like romanticized and it's sometimes it's hard to read but basically we get some internal you know di- dialogue with ha- with uh Carol she's thinking to herself about you know you know that but you know what else can she really do in you know about lie you know except basically lie to her husband you know when she she's been having all these thoughts and all these nightmares basically referring to Hal you know that you know that somebody who's supposed to be dead is still basically you know she's still feeling that he's alive and she's she's downstairs and she's kind of a, looking through a window, and she kind of sees Hal, a really poorly drawn Hal, <laughs> which kind of I guess we assume that he did have the bomber jacket on in that picture, but no, it's hard. It's I know like, it. It looks he like, has a loose bathrobe on. <laughs> I was gonna say a towel, so it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty poorly drawn, and, and to be fair, Carol's image looking in the mirror is no great shakes either. <laughs> she looks like a. Like a poorly sketched version of herself. <laughs> yeah, compared to even above when she wakes up, in, at least in bed, she kind of looks like Carol. Yeah. And not well, like, and not really old lady like Carol that we kind of saw with a bad haircut during Legends of the DC arc either. So you know, she just kind of <clears throat> after she sees, you know, the she thinks or she does see the image of Hal in the mirror. She kind of like uh, just turns her head and she calls out to Hal. And of course she's like, great. Now, now I'm seeing things. 
So now uh, the story shifts back to Hell's Mall, where Abin and, and uh, Hal have now entered. And we see, I like the, I like the little, like, uh, the little statue, almost like the little water fountain that you would have in a regular mall, except this is like some sa- sa- satanic being, you know, with, with a trident and everything is, you know, just the, the pitchfork and flames are bursting out from underneath it. And, and, and Hal really astutely points out, this doesn't exactly look like any mall I've ever been to. <laughs> And Abin's like, well, it's not. It's, it's you know, call it a cosmic mirage or a holographic trick. Basically, it's you know, it's, it's just a, you know, it's a state of consciousness. And it's and Hal's like, can you be any more obscure? <laughs> because I can try. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we hear a voice. that's like, you have questions, Hal Jordan. So many questions rolling through your mind. If God is compassionate, you wonder why does He need a spirit of wrath? Why are some people marked for punishment by the specter? Why others whose sins may be even greater basically completely pass by the specter's notice? You know, and, and the question that torments you the most, if you truly thr- thrust the wrath out of your consciousness, why are you still acting like a monster? Mm-hmm. And of course we see, we see, we see this uh, really like voodoo looking chick, except, except for the fact that she, she kind of has a Santa suit on at this moment with like a backpack over her shoulder. <laughs> And you know now Hal kind of like at all this point Hal has still looked like Hal wearing the suit and now upon the, you know the appearance of this woman he kind of transforms back into the spe- the Hal version of the Spectre and he goes like and and you would be who and she goes Santa <laughs> and he goes I think not and he goes well then just scramble the letters and you'll figure it out <laughs> so of course we know what that means it's essentially the devil the devil it is a version it is and as this story continues, we kind of get whether it's real, you know, what is it really Satan entirely? This is how Satan really is. Is this is how how views Satan? Again, all these deeper things come out in the storyline, and you know, you know, how pretty much wants to know, you know, why have you brought me here? And she, you know, she points out, well, I haven't. You brought yourself here. You wanted answers, and you know, you head for the source. It says God doesn't seem to be in a charity mood. It's like, well, I, you know, I'll step in. And she goes, as as Abin Sir so cl- clumsily tried to explain, hell is in the place. It's essentially a, you know, it's a state of mind that exists within you, which is an interesting concept. Uh, you know, so it's like, you know, and she goes like, you carry it with you, you know, wherever you go. And I like the way she kind of insults Neron here too. She goes, those dunces, Satanus and Neron can't fully grasp that truth, but you should. I mean, didn't you spend years using? Green Lantern's ring to transmute imagination into will, will into manifested form. It's like, well, the the whole universe, you know, essentially works like that, which is another interesting concept. Uh, yeah. Well, I know, I know, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. You can you can rip into it later. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just, the one thing, the one thing, this issue certainly is uh, it's not lacking big ideas. I guess you can say. Yeah, that's no, that's definitely true. Yeah. There's a lot of big ideas, whether or not they they they, they hit or miss. Yeah, uh, whether it's a home run or a, or a or a bunt or something, it remains to be seen. It's uh, a bunt that somebody caught. Yeah, it's a it's a bunt on the third strike, <laughs> maybe. Uh, so Hal's like, you know, so you're saying that I brought this into being, and it's like yes and no, and Hal's like, kind of like, oh. Think like this is kind of back to the conversation with Abin Sir. It's like he's just looking for straight answers here, and he's not really getting any. Um, 
And it's kind of interesting now because now as they walk and they transform, they kind of see like this whole room of different TVs and all this you know, different activity going on. And you know, and Abin's like, you know, how, you know, however, however you came here, you know, she can help you. She can answer your questions. And now Hal starts really getting his rage on, uh, and it's like, no, I won't seek my answers here, not from her. And of course, she tries to play head games because she's the devil. Of course, it's like, why? Because we're so much alike. Because you spend so much time making souls suffer as I do. And and Hal's kind of like, kind of trying to reject that a concept, even though he's kind of at the same time recognizing there's some truth in it. It's like, did you? And she raises yet another concept. It's like, do you ever? Did you ever stop to think that maybe the Spectre, you know, never really served God? That he's kind of like been an agent of hell all along, which is something that Neron, of course, raised during Day of Judgment. That during his head game, trying to get in control of uh, the essence of the Spectre, making it sound like we basically do the same work anyway. That you know, do you ever think that basically the Spectre's just out there punishing and torturing people just for the sheer joy of it? It's like you yes. felt, you know. So it's it's like you felt that joy today when you were punishing that woman. It's like didn't, and you know how kind of she touches a nerve, and how kind of ironically, uh, you know, she kind of like starts wrapping herself around Hal like like a serpent, and of course Hal kind of just makes a bigger serpent <laughs> and and fights back, and you know she still plays the head games. It's like you know it's it's, it's intoxicating, isn't it? Wielding so much power, you know, bringing your rage and spite and bile. <laughs> You know, to bear on those who've turned their face away from God. And she goes, you know, Hal's like, you know, that all sounds, that's pretty clever, but I wouldn't expect anything less, you know, from you. You know, that crap's not going to work on me. You know, I, I faced my power temptation, you know, faced the temptation to pervert it. You know, and I may not understand what's expected of me, but, you know, I know what, I know that this power is a gift and it's a, you know, it's a precious gift from God. And upon that little, you know, ex, that statement, we see, you know, the, not really as a the serpent form of the of the devil kind of transforms back into the chick that we saw before uh even and then she's on the ground and it's kind of like uh the body's like burning almost until she takes on another guy's kind of like kind of like a hipster voodoo kind of look <laughs> yeah with a really big hat yes with a really big hat and you um, can tell it's the devil cuz it's an awful hat <laughs> and the big earrings <laughs> God. um uh, so, you know, she's like, <laughs> <laughs> would you like to make a deal with me? If yeah. you do, I'll take off this awful hat. <laughs> oh, oh, God. God. <laughs> yeah, um, this is about the time when we find out that, uh, the whole reason is that Abin Sir is actually in hell because he's somewhat responsible for giving Hal the ring. And uh, then Hal caused all that destruction. Yes, that's exactly. That's, yep, that's exactly where we are. When she, she kind of just goes to, Hal, you know, she goes to Hal and she kind of makes it sound like, you know, I'm, I'm not really trying to hear to be the, part of the celestial debate squad and everything. And you know, let's just get things going if you want your answers. And and she, you know, Hal's still like, I don't want, I don't, I'm not dealing with her. I don't trust her. I can't deal with her. And you know, and and Abinster's like, no, she knows more than she knows more than you think, Hal. You know and. <laughs> And and that's when she does reveal, like, you know, Ab- you know Sir belongs to her, and that's why he knows everything about, you know, this place or, and her power, and that's when Hal really loses it. And he goes, you know, you pretended to be my friend, you offered me friendship, but you've been working for her all along, and he freaks out, and Abin, you know, tries – this is when, as Jim pointed out, Abin pretty much says, that, you know, you got it wrong, pretty much. The reason why – 
you know, essentially the reason why I'm helping you is because I have a stake in your redemption because of the fact that that I, after I died, I was basically condemned because of the fact that I gave you the Green Lantern ring, and you would, and even though you, at the time you were you had not become Parallax and done the things that you did, the way you know the way time works, you know, because it's an eternity, basically everything was already fated to happen the way you did. So essentially, Abin Sur was being punished for the sins that Hal was going to commit, but hadn't quite committed yet. Which is a complete pile of bullshit. Well, yes, I think, but it, but it, again, but it's an interesting concept. <laughs> wow. That'll be yeah. the subtitle for this episode. But it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Well, I, I think the interesting thing is that uh, Hal then gives Abin some Rice Krispies because as he's grabbing him, you see the the snap. And yeah, the pop, the pop snap. Sound yep. effects. Well, you missing the crackle. You know, so you know Hal. You know Hal's. You know he's just. I think it's part of just being, like Jim kind of pointed out, that the concept is kind of like something about it doesn't quite ring true. But yet there's the part of Hal that's kind of. I think there's the part of Hal that's kind of like, well, if if this really is true, then Jesus, then he's got more baggage than he thought. Because <laughs> the fact that oh my God, you know, the mere idea that you know Abin Sir who gave him the ring to do all this stuff and you know more or less that he was that someone else is suffering. And paying the price for Hal's sins. That this is uh, something that is a big issue with Hal. Uh, so Satan over there, she's like, you know, there's a pr- profound connection between the two of you. Call it karma, if you will. You know, his redemption, Hal Jordan, is forever bound to yours. Absolve yourself, and you absolve him. And then Hal's like, them. You know, then why did you release him? Why allow him to find me? He goes, <laughs> and this is typical of Satan. Now, this, so this is kind of funny. She goes, because I know with absolute certainty that he will fail, that you will both fail. <laughs> and in failing, basically, you both will become mine. So um, this is a really interesting double splash page. There's a lot of crap going on here. Oh, yeah, Visions of Hell. Yeah, like the like the, the satanic uh, easy-bake oven, the ever-bake oven, or whatever yeah. it is, uh, with, the, with, the, with the people inside the oven that are that are burning. Uh, the 666 train. The 666 train, The uh, which is, reminds me of Ant-Man, because it's like, because it's... Uh, yeah. Thomas the Tank Engine kind of in a, tor- in a tormented face running over people. Yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of weird image imagery going on here. Yeah. Uh, or as she points out, which makes sense, is a uh, uh, third floor, toys and games, eternal suffering. <laughs> you know, so it's like, uh, oh, I, you know, so uh, it's hard to pick up on this part because there's so much crap going on here. Uh, well, what you call it? The devil basically says, like, you know, why don't you, like, take a look, you know, submit to me and, uh, you know, see if, uh, you know, you, you'll have your answers by giving yourself over, you know, to, you know, how I torture people. And, uh, you know, at first he's like, you know, well, so you, you know, you could keep me here forever. And the devil's like, well, yeah, I could, but, you know, eh, take a chance. So he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, what do you got to lose? <laughs> and, and, you know, Spectre's like, you know, oh, what, what the hell? <laughs> Unintended. And of course, Abra's like, no, no! I not didn't like, mean it like this! <laughs> not like, and then it's cut off, and then, like, there's this whole scene where 
you know, Hal basically experiences the pain of, like, going through hell. It And, like, and as he's going through, like, all of a sudden he finds that now all of a sudden he's finding, like, the peace and the awesomeness of heaven. But it's only just, like, like a, like a tiny sliver of a fraction of, like, what it's actually like in heaven. This is just to kind of give him an idea. And he sees that woman that he, you know, condemned in the beginning, and she's thanking him. And then he's, you know, he pops back to, you know, present day, and, like, no time has passed, because, you know, Abin's, like, finishing his sentence. It's like, no, don't do this. And then also <laughs> this. And it's like, now it's over. And the devil's like, you know, it's like, he's he's gone through more than your puny little brain would ever, you know, be able to figure out. And so, you know, the, the concept is basically that you have to go, you know, these certain people that have gotten away from the presence or God have, uh, they have to go through hell and, you know, do this suffering to burn away, like, all the, you know, the garbage that's been pushing them away. And then once they've gone through that, then they'll be ready to experience heaven and how awesome it is. To which Hal's like, well, wait. Like, why did we still have to do that? It's like, I reject this idea. And the devil's like, well, that's good. You know, you should reject it. And then we, we kind of see, like, the whole point, the whole purpose was the devil wants Hal to be right. He wants, you know, he, she, whatever, wants Hal, you know, to be correct in that really they shouldn't have, you know, people shouldn't have to go to hell. Like, when you die, they should just be able to go through this burning away process instantly and not have to go to hell to suffer. You know, she wants people to just be able to go to heaven and there to not have to be any hell so that she doesn't have to do her job, even though she does enjoy it because that's what she's, you know, supposed to do. Nicely put. Yes. So. Hal definitely rejects the idea that God, I like the fact that Hal rejects the idea that, you know, that basically why, you know, why would God make us suffer just to love him? Oh, it's the way of the universe, she says. It's like, well, I reject that. I reject you. As well, you should. I kind of I like that right before she wishes a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I like that the, your gift this year is hope. That's kind of... So hope that, from the devil. Yes. And there's an interest... For the, and I'm going to pick up on a concept that was raised in, on that on this page and if, once we talk about the issue. But basically... Uh, so that that wraps up the trip to that to, to Hell's Mall, <laughs> and uh, we see Abin Sir and the Spectre basically on, on a rooftop, and she goes, she did something, some you know she did something to me, Hal. I couldn't see it, couldn't hear it, you know. It's like, what happened? And she goes, what did she show you? And he's like, well, you know, maybe nothing, but lies, or maybe just maybe I found another way for the Spectre and for the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we hear. Now we switch back, you know, we hear knock, 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 knock. No Indigo Tribe joke <laughs> intended at the time. Um, although, w, although the color palette is very Indigo. Yes, and it would be kind of funny if she was standing at the door. <laughs> uh, but we hear knock, 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 and we hear someone yelling, Carol, open the door, it's me. And, of course, she's, Hal? <laughs> at least this film we can understand because we're assuming Jack sounds a little like Hal. <laughs> yeah. We hope. Anyway, uh. So she runs down, you know, and opens the door, and there's Jack. It's like, and, of course, and it's like, uh, Jack. Of course, Jack is going, it's Jack! <laughs> and 
It's like uh, he's alive, Carol. He's alive. And it's like uh, Hal's. It's like Hal's alive. And it's like, and we're going to find him. And Carol's like kind of looking there, you know, really bug-eyed and confused, going. And the funny thing is, I believe it. Next, redeeming the demon. And that ends the first issue of Hal Jordan's Spectre series. Yep. All right. So you wanna you wanna rip into it first? You do. You want me to add that one? little point that I... Um, yeah, sure. Let's, we'll jump around. You okay. can add your point first. Okay. The only, the only point that I wanted <clears throat> to add, again, because we're talking about deeper issues here, and this is, I will, this is from a coffee table book, actually, that I got from, I, my, I shouldn't say I got, let me be accurate. My friend, my friend Chuck, this is his book he let me borrow, I just still have it, <laughs> because I was working on a, a on a, a novel I was working on, so I, I wanted some const, some background on some angels in here. But it's a book of angels of Ruth Thompson, L.A. Williams, and Renee Thompson. I, this is like a Barnes and Noble coffee table book. I think it was one of those uh, books you can pick up for like nine nine ninety eight or something. But there's a lot of interesting stuff in this book. And one of the things they talk about when they get to the Lucifer Satan concept, they talk about uh, basically there's a Saint Jerome concept of the devil. And I'm going to just read this. It's not very short. Is that, however, the revered Saint Jerome contends that Samael, which you know, supposedly is one of the possible names of what Lucifer was when he was an angel, that Samael, as Lucifer, may be playing a role for God. From his study of the scriptures, Jerome posited that becoming the being known as Lucifer was a monumental task that God assigned to Samuel, as he was the only archangel strong enough to survive the ravages of a hellish station. This burden to live as an exile within the flames of perdition until the end of time will be revealed when, as a reward for his service, God will accept him back into the ranks of angels and reinstate him to his full power and station as archangel. St. Jerome was not alone in this belief, as famed religious scholars including Gregory of Nyssa, uh, Origen, St. Augustine, and Ambrosiaster all agreed in principle with his theory. And that's kind of a concept that I always, from a writing point of view, I kind of like, because it, it, cause, cause in a way, from, from where I was taking it when I, from when I was writing, I like the idea that in, remember that line from the Sinestro Corps, uh, the original one shot about how, uh, was it Lissa who said that, uh, Green, uh, that Sinestro was going to be the greatest, uh, greatest Green Lantern again, even if nobody knew it? <laughs> that it was yeah. kind of, that it kind of struck me as that was something that it, in a way that, that could be, you know, transitioned into, from a mythological point of view, at least, we're looking at, you know, the role of Satan, Lucifer, that the idea that once again, the Satan could be like the greatest archangel again, but, or he will be the greatest, you know, but no one's going to know it. <laughs> no or, one knows it yet. Yeah, or it could be that he is, and just everybody thinks of him as the devil. Yes, the, the, one of the interesting things I like about that concept that makes you think would be whether A, Lucifer would know for a fact that he's playing that role, or whether only God really knows that he's playing that role. Like, as in, the, everything that happened with the fall, again, we're talking, Jim and I are just talking, like, myth, I think from a literature point of view, a mythological point of view, not really dealing with a lot of the, you know, true religious implications of this, but as the idea of, of you know, the fall, whether basically Lucifer knew what he was doing, and he was playing the role of making everybody think he was turning against God when he when he wasn't. He was playing, you know, he was basically accepting this role willingly, or whether more or less he didn't 
he kind of is accepting this role, but God kind of like put him on this path, knowing this is you know kind of like putting the dominoes in place that he knew Luz basically would fall to put him in this position, and then at the end he's going to kind of like be redeemed on multiple levels because he would say, "Well, you didn't really fall on your own. I kind of like helped you fall." <laughs> but, um, he, but either way, it's an but I but since I that that concept does kind of get touched upon in this you know in that final discussion between God and I mean between excuse me. Hal and the devil, the the idea of, you know, why would the devil be telling me these things and maybe the devil is an outdated concept or playing the role. And I just, I, that struck me when I reread this issue that, so that's why I wanted to get that, I pulled out that book and that quote. Yeah, that fits. Um, I just wanted to throw out that Tolstoy wrote something called The Kingdom of God is Within You. There we go. That makes perfect so. sense then. Good. Which, yeah, it makes Good a job. lot of sense, especially with the, uh, you know, this whole concept that hell is, you know, yep. of your own creation. Um, good one. Good, good, good research on the fly. Yeah, yeah. Got to, got to, got to go with what, you know, got to go with those hunches and stuff. Well, we knew it had to mean something because, like we said, Tolstoy is such an odd, such an uncommon name. If it didn't mean Leo Tolstoy, who else would it have meant? <laughs> yeah. Um, what you call it? The concept that. Abin Sir is being punished in hell because he gave the ring to Hal Jordan, who eventually did something bad. Is like it's so ludicrous. Like I mean, like for one thing, like you know, Abin Sir, like he's not the one that chooses. It is, it's the ring. Yeah, that 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 is that. I guess yeah, realistically that is true. But it is kind of it is essentially paying the paying the price. No matter how you slice it, it is paying the price for somebody else's sins. Yeah, I, it'd be like, like it would be well based on that logic. Then then obviously you know Hal's father and his mother should be should be being punished too because they they created him. They gave birth. You know, the one gave one one gave birth to him and one, one they both helped raise him. So why wouldn't they be damned for the minute? You know, for cre- for creating him, if he was destined to do all these crappy things. I mean, like, if we're gonna go by that logic, then like, you know, the guy that sold him, like, you know, pasta one night, should also be, you know, in hell because, well, you know, you gave him a meal, you helped him live a little bit longer. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, that's, I that's that kind of him. <laughs> let him like, starve. Yeah, it's like you know, oh well, if you let him starve, you'd also be going to hell. So like, you know, it's, <laughs> right. By this, by this concept, by this reasoning, everybody's in hell for anything that they do because of everybody else. I, it, it, yeah, there, there are absolutely holes in, in that, in that concept. Uh, when I rem- I remember when I first read it, when I first came out, it was, it was like, wow, that's pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. Sucks, Robin, sir. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy that. Yeah, also- I think they were just. Trying to come up with a deeper reason, I guess, for why Abin Sir would be palling around with Hal, especially after he's been dead for so long, and I guess that's that's kind of kind of the reason. And we'll see as it plays out. It's kind of like interesting because even though they are tied together, and and of course, of course, it's it's the devil. So you're supposed to take you take what that's that's the that's the whole catch of the devil. You know, the, the idea that uh, in a way, all the devil potentially sometimes anyway. But the, what the devil can do anytime he or she wa- it wants to is tell you the truth, and you're naturally not going to want to take it, believe it, because it's the devil. So you assume they're full of crap. That yeah. there are a lot of things that sh- that come out in this issue is like 
how they're tied and then basically he's not Abin Sur more or less can't isn't going to be redeemed until Hal is redeemed. But as we see later on in the series, that's not entirely the case when it comes to Abin Sur. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I I would tend to agree with you. Having benefit of hindsight and all these years going by, also looking revisiting this, I don't. It was an in, it's an interesting concept and it's a deep concept, but like we kind of already kind of poked some holes in it that the reality is it would really open up a lot of can of worms, a big can of worms there about who is going, um, who's going to be damned and who's not going to be damned. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah. Damned if you do, damned if you do. Literally, don't. yes, that, that you, that you could be, so. Um, what you call it? Now, I mean, even starting off the comic where you have, uh, Jack, with the psychiatrist, I, I mean, like, I don't know, like, it just seems really dumb, because, I mean, like, you know, like, you know that's a crazy idea. It's like, yeah, my brother, he, he died, but, like, we totally, we totally believe that this, this mystery man was him in some sort of ghost form. Um, okay, come on, you know, I mean, like, even in... Even in a world of like where superheroes exist and everything like that, that still sounds crazy. You know that sounds crazy. Don't go to a psychiatrist and try and like be like, yeah, no, no, this is totally legit. Like she's gonna tell you like, oh yeah, yeah, no, you're not crazy. What's happening is that you're crazy as fuck. <laughs> you know, like, like seriously, like. I mean, like, they, they they have, like, these scenes, like, to set things up, and, like, you know what they're doing. You know they're just trying to set it up with the scene. But it's just, like, it's such a nonsense scene. It's, like, like the same thing with with Abin Sir, you know, like, you know, that doesn't make any sense that you would, you know, they'd be tied together because of something that somebody does eventually. Like I said, like, it, they would tie everybody together for everything so that everybody would be in hell all the time forever. I, like, the whole concept just falls apart, like, as soon as you start thinking about it, like, for more than a minute. But, I mean, like, you know, like, we see where they're going. It's just that their concepts are just, like, so, like, ludicrous to get there. I, I don't, And I don't even know how they would have gotten there without those those crazy concepts. It's, like, just so many, like, just leaps in logic. I did like the uh, the woman getting devoured by the demon babies yeah that was that was pretty cool that was a, that was that was a that was a pretty nice you know specter specter touch there yeah yeah because it's like you don't really know what the hell is going on like okay well he's you know he unleashes this demon baby and then he you know he's like wait a second no no you know what get out of here like you know go live your life and blah 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 you know, to turn yourself in and, you know, you'll pay and that'll be the end of it. Okay. He's like, or I'll come back and I'll get you. Oh, yes, yes, I'll, you know, I'll do that. I'll do just that. Okay, go. And then as soon as, you know, like the person gets to the door, it goes just beyond the door where the specter's, specter is. So, like, it's kind of like just out of his vision, I suspect. Right, at the time, yes. Yeah. Um, And she's, like, devoured by all these babies. Like, it's... At first, you're wondering, it's like, okay, well, is this something that he wanted to happen? And he's consciously, like, sending these babies after her? Or is it, like, the specter, like, 
fighting him, resisting him, and giving, you know, doling out this punishment even beyond, you know, what Hal, you know, wanted to give Mercy. And, like, you find out, like, on the next page that it is Hal doing it, that he is falling back into that. Because that's, like, the default, I guess, for the Spectre. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, that was a very... It's a very interesting page because you don't know when when it's happening. Like we talked about the look in his face and that one panel, it's like yeah. it's like he's disgusted. He's like he it's like you could read in so much into it, disgusted, powerless, uh, resigned to you know resigned that that's the way you know that's the way it's gonna you know it's like that's the way he has to do things even though he doesn't want to. There's just yeah, yeah but I mean a, it could also be that like he's looking on like. It's like, well, she disgusts me, but I'm giving her a second chance, you know, and she's hopefully she'll go and do the right thing, you know, right. Like it, it could very well be that it isn't that like he basically, you know, he sent her into an army of like waiting demon babies ready to kill her. Uh, and he just was, yeah, like you said, like that just resigned look on his face. Like, yeah, bitch done fucked up. She's going to die. <laughs> Shit, she died easy. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta get a new one now. She done got eat it. <laughs> um, yeah, the suit, the suit didn't make any sense. Like, there's, like, literally, like, less than no reason why Hal Jordan would be in a suit. I think, like, like even when there's, like, fancy things going on, he's not even in a suit. Like, he doesn't wear a suit jacket. So that, that was, that was, you know, dumb. Uh, even, you know, like, at any given point, like, Carol never really looks that great. No, she, no, but part of that, I think, is, again, the byproduct of the, the art on this. That, yeah, yeah. That we really haven't delved into much. Uh, Hal, as, you know, as usual, like, I think the common thread I kind of, I think, referenced that pretty much in all the issues that we've seen since uh, Day of Judgment, that Hal, as the Spectre, more for the most Part, he's is drawn pretty well, especially when they when they give him they give him the look with the Green Lantern mask on his face, as opposed to sometimes when they show him without. Yeah, that he does look he does look pretty good, uh, but a lot of the other art is kind of kind of shaky in this. Um, yeah, like Abin looks bad. No, like really, yeah. no, very few feature, but that that's kind of like I must that must be Sook style because for the most part, a lot of the human if you really look at the human faces that he draws, other than of course. The old woman, Viola. Yeah. Uh, that there's very few lines, very few characteristics on their face, other than you know your eyes, ears, and nose, but and mouth and stuff. But there's no real, there's no distinguishing, not a lot of detail to the face, other than the basics, it would seem. You know, I, I feel like well, Jack Jack has you know he's got the mustache, so yeah. it's kind of like facial shorthand. For detail. Yeah, and he's got some lines on his head, too, to be fair. He's got I a mean, little... I mean, like, you know, I, and Carol, I don't know, like, uh, the way that her face is drawn, I mean, like, it, there's enough detail. But, I mean, a lot of the panels with Abin, it's just like, you know, your face is a circle with a couple of eyes thrown in there for good measure. Yeah, Abin's a, Abin is the one that stands out, especially, especially if you will, if you contrast it with, you know, the detail in general that... He, that that he added to uh, the to, devil. Yes, the devil. Yeah. Yeah. No. Then that's that's a really good point. Like, 
you've got Abin, who's like, oh, maybe that's just because he's like a shadow of a man, so to imply that maybe. he doesn't deserve as much detail. I don't know. Devil it's possible. Weird. But, uh... But there's some really cool, I mean, there are some really cool panels of Hal as the Spectre, like when uh when he freaks out with Abin Sur, you know, the, you offered me friendship, that panel. He, he, that's a pretty cool panel. Yeah, 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 no, I mean, like, there's, I think most of the panels with Hal work really well because of the character. I, I mean, like, I'm sure that that's why Demetrius wanted Sook, because, like, I, throughout the entire series, the you know, any time Sook was drawing Hal, it mostly works, especially in this series. Like, because um, it's like Sook, he's capable of like really good detail, but then he also does certain things super basic. And I mean, like if you're drawing like somebody who is the Spectre, who is this like ghostly character who's somewhat larger than life and everything like that. Like, it's nice that Sook can play him as, like, a regular man sometimes, you know, or just, like, this mysterious character in a cloak at other times, you know. Like, the scene where he transforms into a snake was pretty badass. Um, like, I mean, it's 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 weird and creepy, but, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's also kind of awesome. So, I mean, like, there are things that he does very well, and I think... Hal is, as a Spectre, is, you know, one of them. And also, like, the really weird, like, far-out things. Like, you know, trying to visualize a portion of Heaven or some of Hell. Or, you know, even, like, the, the hellish punishments were, like, you know, pretty pretty detail-oriented and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. All the stuff in, the, in Hell and, you know, in Hell's Mall there, all that stuff was pretty... Uh, yeah, the pretty metaphysical powerful. stuff... Like, he's got the metaphysical stuff, like, down. And it's basically, like, you know, most of the Earth stuff that's just kind of, like, dull and uninteresting to look at. I, like, the last panel of the of the issue with Carol is, like, probably, like, the last time, like, Carol's going to look good for a long time. You know? Yes. So. Yeah. And back to the... Briefly, back to the, something we talked about right in the beginning. Uh, Jennifer was the name of uh, Jack's daughter, and back in the uh, okay the Destroyer of Worlds arcs. So they made the name change for whatever reason um, to begin the series. So as and as we will see, obviously she plays a pretty big role in the series as it goes on. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So what did you so what did you think overall? Like you said, I think you kind of hinted that this is not your favorite issue, issue let's say, of the first, you know, four or five, but... No. No, I, I mean, like, uh, there's certain things about it that I think are interesting. I think a lot of the big ideas kind of fall flat. Um, I mean, you know, like, I bought this series as it was happening, and, like, I, I, was, I was absolutely going to keep picking this series up. I don't even think I read the first issue when it first came out. I think, like... I probably bought the first few issues, and then after, like, three or four, like, started reading them. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I wasn't going to judge this on the first issue, and it's a good thing, because it's really not that great of an issue, as far as I'm concerned. 
I think the stories will get more interesting, certainly, as as we will see. I think there's, as we discussed it, as we said, as I kind of did, did as a running gag as we were going through the issue that, you know, there, that there's a lot of deep issues here. <laughs> there's a lot of deep, as a concept, there are a lot of interesting concepts here. Uh, they do raise a lot of them, so they kind of make it clear that this is, for better or for worse, that this is not going to be your typical comic book series. So not going to be your typical action, solely yeah. based action comic book series, superhero series. That there's definitely deeper issues that J.M. DeMatteis wants to deal with, and you kind of on that level, you kind of like they dive right into it, you know, right, right into the pool right in the beginning because dealing with you know the again the concepts of hell and dealing with the what hell really is, you know, is hell. Which again, one of the more interesting concepts to me is like, is hell really just a physical place where you go and then you can, and you get and you get punished, or is hell is is it in your own mind from the point of view that basically you create your own hell? So when the time comes, more or less, whatever you imagine hell to be, or your or the or basically the sins of your own life will determine how you are punished and things like that. So it's just interesting. I I found that concept interesting, just like the idea of basically in a way you have to. The, again, the concept of going through hell, you know, to get closer to heaven, um, you know, but that's an interesting concept. Yeah, too. yeah, you're right. That is an interesting concept. Um, uh, yeah, like it, parts, it, like there's some theories that are connected, like you know, like that's connected with like the the whole thing with like Abin Sir is in hell because of what happened to hell, the how, but. Like yeah, you could you can take some and leave some. And I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a very weird issue. It is. It is. But it's certainly a deep issue. So I think, if nothing else, I not not that not that I think we're ever going to recommend people not read these issues. <laughs> but this issue, I think, is worth a read just because of the fact, if 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 for no other reason. The fact that there are a lot of in, you know a lot of interesting concepts out there and it, throughout the book and from the beginning all the way through the you know there's a lot of stuff to think about whether you agree with it all or not and, you know people don't have to and we don't agree with all of it but there's a lot of things in it worth you know worth thinking about and and even some of the subtle the su- subtle stuff is like even like when we're you're dealing with the Abin Sir the big moments of finding out that Abin Sir basically has been punished. And you see so many on all those TV screens at this point, how you see like all the images of Hal, you know, you see Hal's discovering Abin Sir, you see, which is kind of cool, even though I hate that look of Parallax compared to the the real, the classic look. You actually see the image of Parallax as he first appeared, you know, when he was on Oa, without the cape and everything, right after, you know, at the end of Emerald Twilight, you got an image of kind of that on the TV screen, and you know, I think you have the idea of all the, I think it's almost like an Emerald Twilight nod, you know, with the, looks like an homage to when Hal had all the rings on his fingers from 49. I think that TV screen is supposed to be showing that. Might not be, but that's what I kind of, that's the way I took it. Because they, there's so many repetitive pictures of that one image on all the different screens. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. That that, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, it does look I, like, I hadn't actually thought about that. But, yeah, because that's, that, that's all throughout that double, that double page uh, where we find out that Abin's kind of been, kind of been doomed. Um, so, 
But I think, I mean, it's cert- it's an interesting start to the series as we see we'll get, we'll get a little bit more. I mean, we still have some deeper things, we'll be, deep issues we'll be dealing with in the next story arc, which which we'll cover. But we get a little more traditional, you know, a little bit more traditional hero stuff too, considering who who guest stars and stuff in the issues too. So yeah, yeah, and I think like you know as we're since this is issue one, I mean you know no better time to mention it. Like that was that was one of the things. Like this is a very big concept issue. When this series started, I was kind of hoping that we would get more of the kind of stuff that we'll see in, like, the next couple issues, where the Spectre is actually, like, going off and, like, you know, punishing, like, the Joker or something like that. Right. You know, like, and actually see him, like, deal with actual, like, stuff from other comic books. I feel like, you know, like, that's the kind of stuff that I really wanted to see, and DiMatteis was like... You know, okay, well, well, we'll do a little bit of that, but, you know, what I really want to tell is the story of Hal Jordan trying to find redemption as Inspector and also going on adventures with his magic niece. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of where where things kind of, like, fall apart, you know, for me. But uh, we'll get there. Yes, and it does, and the series does kind of take twists as far as being, like you kind of just said that, or alluded to the fact that the beginning of the series, other than this issue, there's a lot. There are at least some touches and hints of almost like, okay, I still want to tell this story, but I know people kind of want to see some of these stories, so I'm going to give you kind of some of these too. <laughs> that we do get some of that, certainly like like for the first like half of the series, but as it goes on, we probably get less of it. Yeah. Uh, and that probably is was a tougher sell because because obviously as we've seen in a lot of books, you know, I mean, Demetrius obviously has a lot of deep ideas. So the, so there are a lot of he there are a lot of stories he likes to tell and they're not always you know they're, a lot of times anyway they don't seem to really be mainstream your mainstream comic writing they, that doesn't seem to be you know where he where he takes things <laughs> but yeah, no. but this but but this series certainly there there was a there was an opening there was an opening for this for to take it in a different direction and I think as we'll discuss more as we go through it I think. Maybe it could have been tweaked a little, and maybe it would have been able to survive longer than it did. But it was, and I and I'd be curious to know if at the end of the day, if not that we'll probably ever know whether he really had an end game in sight, or, or whether anybody had an end game in sight when they made Hal as the Spectre, whether they really had whether whether Johns had an end game too. We've, I think we've Ooh. talked about this before, as in as in long before before the idea was okay, you know. Kyle's kind of becoming less popular now. The book isn't selling any well. Maybe we can do the switch. Even beyond, before we ever got to that point, whether they had an idea of what, where, where Hal would go or what would actually give Hal potentially his redemption if, and if he was going to move on beyond the role. Of being how, many, uh, how many issues were in this series? Uh, I think 27. I think, 27. I think. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if this series started in 2001... You know, and 27 issues is just over two years, and Rebirth happened in 2004. Yep. Yeah, it's cl- it's close. It is close, but I but I don't. But the the series, I think, I don't believe the series ended because it because to set the stage. I think the series ended because because of the sales weren't good. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't doubt that, but I mean, like I. 
I wonder, like, if... I don't know. Like, I, I, I kind of feel like uh, maybe there was some sort of connection with the ending of the series and the start of the new one. There could have been. I mean, we know clearly John's had an agenda because John's, after the series ended, John's ended up pretty much writing whatever, the few last appearances pretty much of how before Rebirth began, especially over in Justice in JSA. That the last major story arc that involved Hal before Rebirth started was another Jeff John story. And plus, Jeff, I think John's also wrote him when he was doing the Flash in some cameos, like in Flash 200 or something like that. So John's obviously there's no doubt that I think John's had at least a game plan in in, in mind, and whether he had it all along, like if he knew how he would bring Hal back, given the opportunity as Green Lantern or not, even from the beginning, or whether that's something that just progressed over the years, we we don't know. Would be nice to find out from him one day, <laughs> but uh, so I'll have to be nice. Yeah, but uh, it'd be. But I'm also curious whether if Dave Mateus had an end game, whether in his if he if if he could have continued writing the book to the you know as long as he wanted was did he have an end game in sight where, of how what he was going to do or how how would get his redemption and what was going to happen after that whether he whether he really thought about that whether he really thought. That, yeah, I like to do this book for like four or five years, and at the very end, maybe it could still be a tie-in with another big event in DC. But this is how I f- see how moving along the path anyway to finally get his redemption. Then he gets redemption, he goes to heaven, and that maybe seals. That's the end of Hal Jordan. So, or, or whether you know they always kind of wanted to keep. Or whether part of the reason they brought him back as the Spectre could just because it was a viable way to get him back on the stage, and they always kind of thought, we keep him on the stage long enough, there'll be an opening to bring him back as Green Lantern. So, it's yeah. tough. It's a, no, it's I don't tough. know. I, I don't, and I don't know that DiMatteis actually, you know, would have necessarily wanted to have an endgame. That's true, too. That is you true, know, like, too. This I know. could be, like, the his... the the version of Hal that he really had a passion for, and then, you know, he really wouldn't care about bringing Hal back as a Green Lantern or anything like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that he, in his mind, the goal was that that he would connect the dots. If anything, I would say he probably, if he had a long-term goal, it was that maybe along the lines of what Hal would eventually do that would get him his redemption. And then that would be the end of the story, as far as he was concerned. That his time as a Spectre would end, and he would just go to heaven, and that would be it. I don't necessarily mean or meant to, impl- if I did imply that, I think he thought that, oh, this is, I want, you know, this is how I think he'll redeem himself, and then he can become. No, I, I don't necessarily think he wanted him to be Green Lantern again. I'm just curious if any, if anybody with the possible, including Jeff Johns or anybody at all, thought that Hal being back as the Spectre was always kind of like a means potentially to an end to bring Hal back as Green Lantern, or just to have a good character, just to have a great, a legendary DC character back without it being, you know, no pun intended, raising the specter of the Hal versus Kyle debate all over again just by the mere fact that he's, ar- that he's around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be interesting to find out. <sighs> so anything else you'd like to add for this issue? Just that the... Uh... I really like the the design in the letter column. The letter column thing. It's funny because I was thinking about whether we should mention the oh, about the uh, the Green Lantern logo with the face or yeah, yeah, like a skull. 
a yeah. skull inside the the, uh, the the circle. It kind of would have been cooler if it wasn't Kyle's logo. I yeah, I agree with that, but. Um, and Ghost Office, I kind of like that as the, the title of the letter page column. That was I, I love that. I always love that. I yeah. thought that was the best pun. Um, yeah. So that was about it, though. I mean, it makes it makes sense that they would be using that logo because Kyle was the, uh, the Green Lantern at the time. Yep. But yeah. So that's it. So, so that's all I have to say about that. that and that and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, since we're on the letters page, you might as well give a preview for which for the, when we do our next episode, the the next issue. The goddess like being called Mistos has captured the wrath, the righteous avenging aspect of the Almighty Spectre. Now Hal must free this potentially apocalyptic force from her evil clutches, lest she misuse its awesome anger. The problem is that's exactly what Mistos wants Hal to do. Demetrius and Sook will show you why just one short month from now. <laughs> Which is probably give or take around the time we'll, we'll begin that story arc. <laughs> give or take. <laughs> so, that's cool. So, yeah. Now, I'm going to give you the option of this because we actually did run... Well, I can't say we ran long, but we didn't have to worry about our episode being as short as I thought we originally feared, that's for sure. Did, did you want to – Chad and I apparently won't be recording anything anything timely probably for a couple of weeks now. Uh, did you want to talk about the Fantastic Four debacle briefly? I know you haven't seen it yet, but did, oh. any thoughts about it? <laughs> I mean I think I'm actually going to – this one I might actually write a movie review instead of doing an audio. I might just write something. Not because it's so awful, absolutely 100% crappy that it, that I just need to rant in writing. <laughs> just because there might be, I think this might be a good time to do a written one. But yeah, um, yeah, well, I like I like your written ones. I think I like your written ones more than I like your. I think so too. On all honesty, maybe if I got I, the technology the way I'd like it to go with the playing of the video, but that's it, I'm limited by the way Adobe does it. You know, um, there was I think. Uh, one of one of your video reviews, I ended up just like ripping the audio from, just so that I could kind of like listen to it as a, as a podcast at my leisure. And I thought about just doing that. I thought just I thought about just releasing an audio, but because it's a movie review, it just seemed like there should be. Which is another interesting thing. If we do, this would be a good thing for give, giving us listener feedback on. If I'm going, if we're going to do non-written, let's say, uh, movie reviews, would you prefer them just to just be an audio? Would you prefer it just or? Would, or or both or just a video. I mean, because I'm I'm easy. I still want to do written ones, but I have no. Pr- but it's actually su- it's much simpler just recording you know the audio ones. That's 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 pretty easy. But uh, yeah, I mean I I, I prefer uh, audio or written just because like I like the idea that I can kind of like just listen to it or read it wherever. Video. I mean I kind of it's like. This is like a set time and place where I can watch videos and stuff like that, and it's not as easily accessible for me. I understand that. I think that's that's actually a good point. Uh, so now with the Fantastic Four, you're right. I did not see the movie yet. Leading up to the movie, like I had I had heard all the news. Uh, I, I had been keeping up with it, and like. There's a couple of podcasts that I listen to where, like, they were just, like, crapping all over this movie every time that there was news. 
you know, like, oh my God, they're casting a black Johnny Storm. Oh, and we, you know, we hate that not because we're, you know, we're not racist. It's just that they're changing the source material. I, I mean, like, like I'm looking at all the changes that, that, that they were making, and honestly, like, eh, whatever. Okay, I don't really care about that. I don't care about the Johnny Storm thing. If they made Doom a hacker, I mean, like, I don't really care about that. Like, there's so many, like, just these little aspects that I just don't really care about. When it gets right down to it, I want to watch a movie where, you know, you've got the characters, the Human Torch, the Thing, the Invisible Woman, and Mr. Fantastic. I want to see them work together. I want to, you know, see the powers and everything like that. And I want to see them also act like a family. And that's basically it. That's all I really need from a Fantastic Four movie. All the little details, um, like, I, I actually was thinking to myself, like, you know, maybe changing it up is a good thing, because we already saw, like, you know, the other movies, which were, you know, fairly accurate to the comic book. You know, not, not Galactus, that part sucked. That's true. But, uh... Like, the one thing that I always heard about that was that you can almost see, like, the shadow of Galactus inside the cloud so that maybe in another movie they would have actually shown him. Part part of the reason, to be fair, part of the reason why, um, supposedly, anyway, part of the reason why Story did that was, again, because they really, they were aiming, clearly, they were aiming for a, uh, ideally, they were aiming for a... Silver Surfer spinoff. So they there was an, there certainly were plans on the on the table to do do other movies and do other stories in which Galactus was going to be a major player. So yeah. whether it was true or not, what 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 you know what Tim Story had said was one the reason why he made Galactus pretty much with you know, amorphous was because he didn't want to tie somebody else's hands into what his design was. And I think that's kind of like why there is when the silver surfer, I think is going, is going up to, to, uh, through the, you know, the clouds or whatever to deal with Galactus or whatever. You kind of do see a general outline on some level of a, of a, and, and as in space too, I think too, the general outline of what could be classic Galactus, but he'd want to bind. And plus the, beyond the, the, Excuse most people said was oh because there's this big guy in the purple suit is going to look stupid, but but I think there was also supposedly anyway there was another reason storytelling wise why he didn't want to like nail nail the look down. So. And, and I I think that's that's idiotic because I, I mean you know like you, okay you don't want to bind the hands of the people for the next movie, but I mean like if you make this villain look shitty, then it's not going to get into somebody else's hands. Ah, uh, anyway, um, yeah, so, that being said, like, you know, I was, I was on board for the idea of all these changes and everything, you know, and I had heard that the director, you know, had been booted from Star Wars because of his, like, the way that he was acting on set, but, I mean, again, like, you know, that's, that could all be rumor, like, you have no idea, um, you know, like, I was I was optimistic for this movie, like, up to, like, just a couple of days beforehand. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, and even when the, the shitty reviews, like, started rolling in, like, immediately, like, I think it was, like, Wednesday night, like, they broke embargo, and, like, just, like, there was kind of, like, a landslide of just, like, shit reviews for this movie. I'm, like, looking, I'm, like, well, I'm, like, there was so much hatred towards this movie ahead of time. 
Like, of course the reviews are going to be shitty. Because, you know, the same thing happened with Green Lantern, which wasn't a shitty movie. It was just, like, a real blah movie that they could have done a lot better. You know, but it, it, at that point, it had gotten, become so hip to hate on it. Right. That, like, you know, here you have this movie that's, like, maybe, like, a four or five in terms of, you know, overall story. And they're treating it as if it's, like, a negative three. Just because, you know, okay, well, by doing that, you're going to get more more clicks and more views and stuff. So, like, I just assumed that that was the same thing here. And then... <laughs> and then the shoe drops, the other shoe drops, and, you know, Trank, the director, comes out, he, he tweets out a statement, and he deletes it, like, you know, pretty soon afterwards. But it's basically like, a year ago... I had a version of this movie that the critics would have loved, you know, which you'll probably never see. And like when he tweeted that out, like it's basically to imply that the studio like, and well, and there's also other stories as far as like all the reshoots, like there's like they reshot like a third of the movie and he was not involved with that. And the studio basically binded his hands and, you know, he wasn't able to edit it, so the, the finished product is, like, this bastardization of what he created and what the studio, you know, wanted and, and created. And as soon as, like, he came out saying that, like, for one thing, like, if you are that unhappy with the finished product, take your name off of it. You know, just, like, you know, have some artistic integrity and take your name off of it. And at that point, like, you can say whatever the freak you want to say. But, I mean, like, if your name is still on it and, like, you're going to make a statement like that the night that it comes out, like, you know, it was Thursday night that, that he makes the statement. And said Thursday night, like, you know, it's in, you know, and I, I use quotes, previews. But, I mean, like, they're playing that movie at 8 p.m. You know, so, or even 7 p.m. some places. So it's not like... You know, it's not like people were only going to, like, midnight showings. You know, it, right. the movie was out on Thursday night, and that's when he releases the statement. Basically, you know, just damning this movie. Like, you know, okay, well, you're going to go see this movie, and all the reviews are going to be, you know, say that it's shit. And, yeah, you know what? Like, well, it was a good movie a year ago. So he's basically confirming what the reviewers are saying by telling me that, yes, this movie is not what he wanted. It is a steaming pile of shit and it is both his fault and the studio's fault. Cause I mean, like obviously his version, like there's no way that this movie was so great and the studio just didn't get it. I, I mean like, you know, that's like, that's his, like, that's his ego, which also kind of backs up the whole concept of, like, all those other stories about him, like, being an asshole on the uh, on the set, and nobody could really get along with him. You know, like, and then I, I'm reading, I'm, I've read a lot of reviews on this one, by the way. And, you know, like, I'm reading these reviews where they're basically, you know, they're not, like, they're not, like, trying to pile on top, but they're kind of, like, just kind of giving giving the facts. And they said, like, you know, here you have this, this young director who makes a film on his own, and it's basically on his own terms. He doesn't have to answer to really anybody. 
you know, for the most part, you know, he has all this, con- you know, creative control and it's critically very well received. And so he which is, gets, which is Chronicle. Oh yeah. That's Chronicle by the way. Uh, which, uh, by the way, like I, I couldn't even get through it. Like I couldn't get through like the first five minutes. I hate shaky cam movies. And like, there was nothing in the first five minutes that wanted, that got me to, you know, want to continue on. Now, whether or not, you know, like, I, I've heard that it's critically acclaimed, and I guess if you're willing to sit through a shaky camera movie, that's fine for you. But they get, they offer, they then offer him this, you know, this giant movie, Fantastic Four, and I guess he just jumped at the chance to, you know, to make his mark, you know, and, and, and do this movie, and like, you know, when you're doing a movie like this, to some extent, your hands are going to be tied. Like, you have to play ball. You know, like, it's possible to have a movie. Like, you know, if you look at Marvel, like, you you can tell that there are movies where, like, yeah, the director is going to show his vision, but he's going to play within, like, the, the, the confines of what Marvel tells him. You know, like, with Fox... Okay, well, yeah, we could be looking at a Warner Brothers situation where they have to have their hands in everything, like Green Lantern. But, like, I, I like if you look at the X-Men movies, like, some of those are actually pretty decent. So it's not like, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I feel like Fox is not, like, necessarily a poison pill. So, I mean, like, you know, here you have these two forces going up against each other, and Trank does not want to play ball. And um, Fox is like, well, you know, the movie that you made is a steaming pile of dog shit, and now we have to fix it. So now it's just like, you know, instead of taking another year and and actually fixing the movie, or, you know, taking a couple of months at least, and fixing the movie properly, like, they, they go back, they do a bunch of reshoots, and so, like, the finished product is this, like, you know, two completely different feeling movies and, you know, completely unsatisfying and whatnot. And it's just like, it's, it's really sad because like, regardless of like who has the rights, whether it's Fox or Marvel or anything like that, I just want to see a good Fantastic Four movie, you know? And I thought the first one with, you know, Jessica Alba and the rest of them was great. And the second one Aside from, you know, the Galactus thing, was, you know, really entertaining also. And I mean, I know, I just wanted another fun one. And yeah, if it's a, you know, new change, change of direction, you know, like, the actors, I, you know, eventually I was kind of like looking forward to seeing them in the roles. And I was looking forward to this, this incarnation. And like, you know... Not, not anymore. Now I'm, I'm avoiding <laughs> like, like I, this thing has popped up online for free on you know those you know clandestine websites, and I still have not made the time to try and watch it for free. So I don't know. Does, yeah, I think. Well, I mean, you you said it very 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 well to begin with. Uh, the, tr- the the trank thing was just ridiculous. Uh, yeah. It's like, I mean, the guy, it's you hate you hate 
you hate to say it, but it's almost like you wonder if this guy is so self-destructive that he that this is just almost like something that he can't help himself to do something like that because obviously we know his you know before this movie came out we know that his reputation fairly or unfairly and obviously by circumstantial evidence this this little that little tidbit makes it look like like it was more fairly <laughs> that his reputation took a beating by you know. You know, what the rumors were behind the scenes and the fact that Star Wars, who's never, on my opinion, I don't know why they ever gave him that gig to begin with. His track record is so weak. Yeah. So, uh, but Star Wars, you know, dropped him like a bad habit, and I'm sure that's what really happened. I'm sure he'll he'll say he left, but I don't think anybody really believes that. But, you know, his reputation, you know, and in this movie... Yeah, people thought this movie was going to be bad for a long time. There was, you know, there were a lot of bad, lot of bad signs about this movie. But then to come out and just, and just, you know, basically sabotage technically, which is still your own movie because your name's on it. Even though yes, it may yeah. not have been the cut that you wanted and not the vision that you had. That to come out and sa- and, and sabotage that movie and who, I mean, whether it had a big effect on the box office, we don't know because you know most. I don't know if think I don't know if Trank has that much pull really, you know, and is that popular a, a director that he would, you know. But still, it what like you said, what it does is it adds the shitty exclamation point to a crap sentence because it makes people realize, well, obviously, if he's saying this, that there's no chance that this is a movie that the critics just aren't getting. <laughs> yeah. That even if he's even if he's just saying it because he's bitter. The reality is that's not the effect it's going to have. People are going to say, "Well, even if the direct, you know, even the director says it's crap, so it must be crap." Uh, yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't do something like that. It's like, in, no. it's like, how, how in the world do you really expect to get a high, a real, a high-profile gig like that after you do something like that? Exactly. You can't. It's do, low class. You, and it's like, and like we, like I said, it's like self-destructive. It's like career suicide, self-destructive. It's like that's how you get yourself, you know, unofficially, but officially, <laughs> unofficially, but officially blackballed from Hollywood because you, because you do stupid shit like that. Yeah. It's like, how could you? I mean, why would you do that? I mean, it, and and like we posted online, one of the things I compared it to, even though this is actually worse since he's the director, is like when Jim Carrey did that, did the same crap when Kick-Ass Two came out. Like the weekend Kickass Two was was coming out, then all of a sudden he goes on his you know his kind of like his left wing anti gun rant about oh, this, oh this movie is too violent and it's got too much gunplay and you know after he's already gotten the paycheck and cashed it. Yeah, but I mean like I feel like even with that, that's not really bad publicity because basically what he's going around and doing is for one thing causing controversy and people love to watch controversy, mm. and he's just going out and saying it's like. Oh, this movie's so violent. I, you know, I, I'm sorry that I was in it because there's so much violence. Like, basically, the the market for that movie, like he's like speaking directly to them. It's like, go see this movie. There's so much violence. You know, like I, I give Jim Carrey a pass on that because I feel like if anything, like that would have a positive effect. But I don't think he did it for that reason. I don't think so. And either. that's why I don't give him a pass for it because it's, it's still low. I, I'm, as a lot of people probably know, and I think you know, I'm I'm really I have an issue with hypocrisy in general. So it's like if you want to be whichever side of the political fence you want to be on, if you want to take that, if you really believe what you believe, then you know if you if you're frig- if you're like Sean Penn, don't go try to be an action hero. You know, where you're using guns and doing all this stuff. Where it's like, yeah. Or or if you're 
you know, and I like Liam Neeson, but I think Liam Neeson made some made some comment about guns and stuff after all the movies that he's been in. That's kind of like give him a, a second career, being a, you know a, a, like a late late career action star that he is. And I like Liam Neeson. It's like you don't have, and you certainly have a right to say what you want, but don't. But you know, you're kind of butting the hand that feeds you, and you're kind of insulting the fact that this is how you're this is how you're making your you know, your living and and how you're well known by being this you know this this you know gun toting action star, and then you make it sound like. Oh, I don't like guns. Or like in real life, I would like yeah. to take all the guns away from you, you, and you. But I'll keep mine, or I'll keep mine when I'm making a movie and making millions. So yeah. I think the Jim Carrey thing bothered me because it was hypocritical. I don't necessarily really think it had a lot to do. I, I, I don't think it had much negative effect at the box office because we know Kick-Ass. Both of those movies had a kind of a limited appeal, yeah. box office-wise, anyway. But this was, you know, but that's the only reason why I make the analogy because you're getting paid to do something. You don't turn around. If you want to, if you want to talk about it after the fact and say, "Yeah, I didn't have a great experience making it," a lot, a lot of people do that. And sometimes it's, a, it's sometimes it's refreshing when people are honest enough to admit it. But you don't do it when the friggin' movie, when you're in, you know, the publicity stage of the movie and you're pushing right. the movie. You don't do that. Yeah. And Trank is worse because he's a he's the director. And clearly, at some point, they were on the same page about what kind of movie he was making because he had to pitch his vision of what he, he was going to – his Fantastic Four was going to be. Mm-hmm. And they had to say, okay, we like this or we think we can work with this. So yeah, to make, but so, but, but I think one of the other things that was taking place was that Fox saw all, like, the negative buzz and, like, they saw, like, the aspects that people hated, like – like Doom being a blogger, which they did change to be. Yes, yes. then they they changed that. They changed his name, um, and I mean, like, who knows how many other changes they made based on, you know, focus groups and you know, just like you know, internet research and stuff like that. So it could very well be that Fox was monitoring this and said, okay, well, you know, you've gone off the rails. You need to rein it in. And you need to make some changes here, here, and here because the movie that you made, people aren't really digging. You know, at which point he was probably like, you know, well, you know, screw you. I'm going to make this movie. It's my vision, blah, blah, blah. Go to hell. That's, you know, that's what it seems like to me. No, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. But I also think there's truth probably in all likelihood that it was not – obviously – the fan reaction and the negative buzz to this movie, which, as we know, has you know was kind of has been there for a, a long since the inception of this project. <laughs> if there was a if there was a movie that was kind of like destined to fail, you hear the expression too you know too big to fail. If there was a movie that was just like destined you know to crash and burn, it kind of always was this movie from you know for for multiple reasons. That I do think some of the, what fan reaction to it, obviously what you know, what they heard. Did make an effect. Uh, did cause uh, Fox to change and make some. Uh, it affected their decision making as far as what final cut they wanted. But I also think that probably was the how you know he talks. You know he talks about you know what a great cut of this movie that he had a year ago. I'm sure the reality is Fox didn't agree, <laughs> and that's why that you know they wanted to make some of the changes because if if, if they really thought they had a great movie, then they would they. Or they really thought that some some slight tweaking might make it a good movie, then they would stick with it. Yeah. And yeah, not, the fact not, that they they try they they you know went back through with all the and you know and we heard this months ago that they were debating about oh well there was there's a big difference between like a, a week of reshoots and like three weeks and four weeks of reshoots that's that's significant. Yeah. 
Yeah. And whether um. Yeah, there's just, and there's just and we and we I read something today which talked about the different things that happen. You know, supposedly some of the things and again they're rumors. You don't know if it's true, but some of the battles that were going on between you know Trank and the studios, like he wanted. You know, he wanted what Miles Teller for Reed, and the, the studio didn't. But he won that one, and he didn't want Ma- uh, Mara for for Sue, but he lost that one. Things like that. So there were a lot of a lot of struggling going on. But it, it does seem even we know what the you know whether it's accurate or not. We know the narrative about this is has pretty much been spun, which is that you know that he this was somebody who was you know the perception's going to be he was over his head. You know, if he got a project that he wasn't. You know, a budget, the responsibility, everything he was over his head in, and as some people have pointed out, you know, he he just didn't wasn't that interested in making a Fantastic More Four movie about the Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a biggie. That is a biggie. He wanted to make his own movie, and they offered him Fantastic Four, and he's like, yeah, I think I can make this work with you know the movie that I actually want to make. So that does suck, but you know, like. Going back to you know his 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 tweet, the self-destructive tweet that like, you know, I I was looking on uh, like on Facebook and like throughout the entire weekend, like like that whole Friday, like that that story with his tweet was like the top one of the top trending things. So a lot of people saw that. I am telling you, like, that movie was trending to do about forty-five grand, and yeah. I think they took Million. into account. <laughs> it oh, might have made yeah. forty-five grand, but it was, yeah. it was. It was originally, yes, supposed to be between forty, like somewhere in the forty-five, fifty million range. That's what yeah. It and uh, it ended up taking in like close to like what twenty-five million. 26, 27, something yeah, like that. I'm trying to see if they actually finally posted the actual, as opposed to the, the estimates. Yeah. Uh, 25. Yeah, the final box office was 25 million 685 thousand, and a little bit more than that. Yeah, but, I like, I, 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 there's no way that anybody could tell me that that tweet didn't, you know, seal its fate, basically. Oh yeah, it, I, I, I think I, it just. If there were, I think if people were holding on to any hope that maybe, maybe it wasn't really that bad, I think that kind of just cemented it. That yeah, that yeah, I think that that pretty much was the, you know that pretty much was the kiss of death. Yeah, and it's if nothing else, it, at least it accomplished something which I didn't think was possible. It's like it actually made me feel bad for like. People involved with this movie, including Fox, and I, and, and I had no interest. I've made it clear I really had, had no great interest in seeing the movie. I did see it, uh, I, but I, you know, as far as a, a want to see factor, you know, I didn't have any. My personal take is honestly, I don't think it was not great. You could definitely see, I think, where they were tinkering with the story and things like that. All and with again, because I do plan on writing something up myself. Most of the general criticisms, I will say, are are accurate about pacing and things like that. I would say the things that are almost have been universal in the negative reviews, I think are accurate, but it's not, you know, it's not like, Oh my, you know, much like you said, the analogy is pretty good. I think Green Lantern was a better movie. There's no doubt. I think Green Lantern was a better movie and at least it had a a better structure overall, but, but it did suck, but it was in the, but it was kind of in the same vein that, you know, once it's kind of like once the floodgates open, it's like, like, 
like boom. Um, at least on the bright side, Green Lantern pretty much made about double the in his first weekend of Fantastic <laughs> Four did. Yeah, uh, now Green Lantern has a slightly better reputation by comparison. Yeah, that's true. At least, at least as far as the butt of jokes go, yes. If Green Lantern still was being looked at among the recent, you know, big budget superhero movies that were released, and it didn't do what it was supposed to do. At least now we have the Fantastic Four, which is going to be almost almost like uh, it's probably going to be legendary as far as the about. You know, this is a kind of project, in all honesty, because so many things went wrong, and it was such a problem project from from beginning to end that this is the kind of movie that that you're going to have. You may very well have books written about, it, and again, a documentary about the, how how things went wrong. I mean, just because it's it's such because it was such a complete disaster that it was like <laughs> that that yeah, it kind of it kind of went went into a whole like a whole different kind of like stratosphere of. Uh, Bad. <laughs> that that would that would be great. Like I would actually buy the DVD if there was a documentary on like all the things that went bad with this movie. Hey, they, they. I would I would be surprised if there wasn't something like that at at some point. Just because there there seemingly is a lot of a lot of stuff there to delve into as yeah. far as the the dynamics between you know. Trank and Fox and the casting and and of course we as we've already talked about a, a lot the just how up pretty much from almost almost from beginning to end they got better towards the end but almost from beginning to end that every time somebody talked about this movie from the cast they put their foot in their mouth and said something that people did not want to hear and just made people think this movie is going to be just even potentially even worse than they thought it was going to be. It just kind of like added, added to the anxiety people had about this movie. Yeah. So yeah. It's a, it would be an interesting study because this is almost like your textbook definition of not of how not to uh, make a big budget movie or not to make a big budget superhero mo- movie. Yeah. It would be interesting to see what happens with the cast after this. I, you know, because – the other thing is, like, what I was also thinking about, you know, since Trank tweets this out, like, the night the movie, you know, hits, really. Like, with, take, for example, Kevin Smith. Now, Kevin Smith has been involved in some movies that are probably, you know, well, less than amazing sometimes. You know, he has his good ones, and then he's got his, you know, like, I, I really like Jersey Girl, but, like, you know, that one did not do well. And then even the the last one that he did, Tusk. Yeah, that was that was an, that was an interesting movie to say the least. You know, he he makes this movie and like he made it just to you know basically to do it. Like you know, he came up with this script and he's you know like everybody was just like, well, let's see if you can do it, and he did it. And you know, like he was promoting it, like he was taking it on the road and everything like that and making the different stops and everything. And he was really promoting it pretty well. And, you know, like, and now, like, that we're decently far enough away from it, he says, he's like, you know, listen, he's like, I'm sorry about Tusk. He's like, it wasn't a great movie. He's like, but that movie got me the financing for... Clerks 3, right? Um... I don't know if that one got him the, the financing for Clerks Three. Yeah, actually, it did. Because when it, yeah, after it was all over, like uh, you know, it, he ended up you know coming up with other ideas and stuff like that. And they're like, well, what else have you got? So yeah, Clerks Three is getting made because of it. 
Um, there's a couple of other movies that are getting made because of it. So, like, it's, it, you know, he apologized for it being a bad movie, but he says, he's like, but this is what you're going to get out of it down the road. And I mean, like, that I can totally respect. Because, yeah, you're owning up the fact that, yeah, it's not that great. But you're not, like, you're not a complete dick and, like, you know, shooting the studio in the foot you know, the night before it comes out. Like, I mean, like, I'm wondering, like, who the hell would ever hire Trank again? I, I know. But when you think about it, the re, the only, unless, unless, you know, there are people who, you know, success of, I mean, f- fear of failure is a, is a strong motivating factor for people or something that hovers over people but sometimes fear of success can do this have the same kind of effect on people and there are some people and maybe he is somebody who is who is once he got a taste of this and maybe he's just the only way he could function as a director is to be like doing independent projects and to do smaller budget movies and maybe this maybe this kind of taught him or he that or at least as far as and he's to be fair obviously he to be doing some of the things that he did, just to tweet alone, it's very immature. Mm-hmm. But he is relatively young. I mean, I think he's only like 31. So there's a chance that he may mature enough and, and maybe may change his mind on a lot of things. Because at 31, you tend to do change your mind on a lot of things. Yeah. But so maybe at this point in his career, whether he did this consciously or not, uh, maybe he doesn't think he could ever, or he would ever want to work for a big studio again to make a movie after this experience and just that's not that's not his thing wow. but yes it's it's but as the saying goes you don't want to burn your bridges certainly unless yeah. you absolutely have to and there was and he could have he could have been you know he could have been the good soldier and he could have taken and he could have taken this one for the team and and then you just go about your business. You, you. It's not like he would never get another job. Because let's be, let's be honest. Friggin' Shyamalan keeps getting work, and Shyamalan hasn't had a hit movie, let alone a good movie, in a long time. So the fact, so just by having a dud is not going to necessarily, ru- you know, ruin your career. So if he did yeah. the right thing, he would have gotten work. He could have basically made people, made people forget this movie. Uh, and and even now, I mean, he could have dodged a lot of the bullet because even now, a lot of people want to blame Fox for this. A lot of either because of the way they, you know, the the whole processing. Yes, some of the part of criticizing Fox is because they he they hired Trank, but still, part of yeah. it is the fact. That, but they people just want to jump on, you know, jump on jump on Fox and say, oh, they don't know what the hell they're doing, blah 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 blah. And so a lot of there's still a lot of anti-Fox sentiment to at least related to Fantastic Four. So he definitely could have skirted through and you know and, and dodged a lot of the bullet. But the fact that he comes he did what he did what he did and then even if half the stuff that was rumored on the set, you know, was really true what he did or the way he behaved, then that that's not something that's certainly no even if he wants, let's put it this way: if he wants to get wanted to get a high-profile gig right now, the odds are there's be nobody who would take the risk. Yeah, no. Because it's too much money to invest in somebody who you don't, you know, who is unreliable to begin with. Let alone might not be stable. <laughs> yeah. True. Very true. Yeah. He instead of dodging a bullet, he became the bullseye. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's true. And you also have to wonder about the, you know, the cast too. I mean, the cast might. You know, the cast might have, excuse me, they might have known this movie was going to be be a disaster at this point. They may very well have realized, you know, this was a train wreck and we're, we're going over the cliff, but we had no choice and we just got to 
smile and say what we need to sm- say, and then we just move on. But having yeah, your director come out and, and do that to you right before the movie comes out, it's just like it's even even people if they were loyal to, to Trank. I don't know if anybody was at this point because supposedly, like I said, he hired, he wanted Teller. But Teller and him supposedly were clashing, that they weren't getting along on set. So who knows if anybody felt any kind of loyalty to him, but if that they did, I mean, it's, it's just... Well, what I did hear was that uh, Miles Teller, was in, he did the interview like uh, two or three days before the movie came out, and one of the things that he said was that none of them had seen the movie yet. Right, he did and... say that, just like, just like a movie like this is, you know, pretty much guaranteed they're not, it's not going to get good reviews. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he got a lot of like negative criticism about that and everybody else in the cast ended up like tweeting out like messages of support for him. So like, you know, like they, they had his back, like they all, you know, were, they were on his side when Trank, you know, like when everybody's like you know lamb blasting you know trying for what he did like nobody was coming to his aid so like i you know i don't know like i feel like the, maybe the cast got along well enough and maybe trank was like the you know the odd man out yeah yeah the the he gave them somebody to you know mutually hate that's true it could have so and that's and that would and in a way, not that it still make it doesn't make it right at all, but that could be why he would feel comfortable doing a tweet like that because he has no not obviously he has no loyalty to the studio, but if he really feels like the you know the actors have kind of basically sided with the studio against him, then he might feel well, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh well. Anyway. Cool. <sighs> so would you like to do your do your usual plug for sliders? Oh God. Um, yeah, Dan, me and Dan Kurtzke, we, uh, we do a podcast occasionally. It's called Sliders Cast. Uh, our release, uh, release schedule is fairly sporadic because of the summer. It's been so hectic. Um, we have, we have episodes recorded that need to get edited, but, um, yeah, we're still doing that. We're chugging along, going through all the Sliders episodes. And, uh... That's about it. We we have a we have a Patreon, and uh, we record like bonus episodes for that where we review like other parallel you know worlds type media, and that we're actually we're almost more on time with that than we are the the actual episodes. But uh, yeah, that's what we're up to. Very nice. And before I go into our normal closing, uh, just just out of care for for people who do care, so we did kind of mention it that the the three day total for Green Lantern is more than is more than double the three day total of Fantastic Four, <laughs> fifty three million in change to twenty five million in almost twenty six for Fantastic Four, but Green Lantern has more than more than doubled it. <laughs> well, that's nice, but you know. Still wasn't a great movie. No, and it didn't make it a lot of money. Period. But wait before... a second. Wait a second. How much money did it make in the, in the opening weekend? Well, the the three the three day total for Green Lantern was fifty three million one hundred seventy four thousand three hundred three. This is all according to Box Office Mojo. Didn't Ant Man only make like fifty eight million in its opening weekend? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but Ant- but Ant Man's gonna make more overall, and Ant Man's gonna make a lot more, I think, overseas. Green Lantern didn't make that much overseas. That's what really killed it. Oh, um, okay. It it because Green Lantern, Green Lantern only made like 116 million domestically, so it did not make a lot of money domestically at all, and it only made about it actually made and it made even less overseas, which is what really what killed it. It only made 103 million overseas, yeah. so so that's why that's why it tanked, but no. Or, or maybe tranked would be the good word. Now that's that why it tranked. That's why it tranked. But Fantastic Four isn't shaping up to be much better because it's only made 34 million over, overseas so far, and so far it's not trending very well. So Green Lantern might have might have, prob, Green Lantern probably has an excellent shot to still be able to really have a lot more money in the bank at the end of the day than Fantastic Four. But certainly yeah. domestically, it should be a lock that it's going to like leave it in the dust because we know Fantastic Four is going to be a Blip on the radar screen from a box office point of view. I'll be, I'll be at this rate. Honestly, I'd be surprised if it even, it might not even make ten million next weekend. I mean, if, if you think it should make a little bit more than that, but even if it drops fifty, you know, even dropping, you know, fifty percent, that's going to bring it down to like around what twelve, 12 and twelve and change. So, in considering, and it's not going to have fifty percent retention. Yeah, so I, it, this you, this could be this movie could drop. Yeah, Fantastic Four could easily drop under under double digits when it's from the yeah. millions point of view next week. So, the only could, thing that's going to save it is the fact that I don't think very much comes out next week. Well, I know, but I I agree. There isn't it's a like whole the, the man from Uncle and straight out of Compton, Compton yeah, that. which appeal to obviously different audiences. Yeah. But uh, but still, uh, there's not much. Honestly, there's not a whole lot of great things coming out from the rest of the summer. But yeah. nobody wants to see. No one's gonna want to see Fantastic Four. Yeah, I mean, they'll true. go see Ant Man if they want to see another. Or Mission Impossible. Or Mission or Mission Impossible. So yeah, it's probably very likely to to, to end up under 10 million this weekend. So it's. Yeah. Oh, that's but, good. Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, I, but it, like I said, it succeeded in making me feel bad, and that's kind of surprising considering it's a project that I really <laughs> I really had no desire to see it succeed originally, and now I do kind of feel bad at it's, such a train wreck it's become. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so if you'd like, uh, like to contact us, email us, lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. Please access our website, lanterncast.com. We have movie reviews. We have Ringcyclopedia episodes. You name it, we got it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to find us on all of those. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, so please leave us positive reviews there. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. And Jim and I will be back probably, like, who knows, but we'll probably be back sometime, I would assume, in September to pick up the the first story arc of uh, the spe- multi-issue story arc of the Spectre. I think it's issue two through four, but I will double-check before. Sounds about right. Cool. Good job, yeah. my friend. Yeah, it was fun. Yes, it was. So, uh, we'll, so we will talk to you soon, people. So long. Quarters in session. No appeal on the docket today, just my own sin The walls cold and pale, the cage made of steel Screams fill the room, load I drop and deal Silence now, the sound
episode four? Yes. No, no more half episodes for a while. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh my god, you've only done four episodes? For this one? This is a spinoff. I don't know what this is. Well, tec- is well, it? technically, this is what our this is our fifth. It's just it's. No, no, it no, it is. It is only four, right? Yeah, this is number four. No, well, we we've done we've we've done four. This is just number four because we did one, two, two and a half, and three. I, listen, I'm trying to talk to him. I can't listen to you at the same time. What are you saying? <laughs> I said that number sounds pathetic. I said you should make up a different number just to make it sound better. Like, go with episode 26 or something like that. Why use numbers at all? Thank you for listening. <laughs> this is this is the episode smiley face. Uh, you'll Nobody remember from from episode Nobody Pine Tree say, well, back a week ago. That, you're an asshole. Nobody would say episode smiley face. <laughs> oh, my. Episode craptastic. <laughs> yeah. So, meet the Lauren.